When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Is it possible to fall in love with a microphone? Because I think I've fallen in love with my new microphone. It's the best microphone. I can't believe how good this microphone is. And I, this is a money talk show. I never talk about microphones, but holy cow. Uh, I've had this microphone now for a few days, and it is unbelievable. Uh, this is not an advertisement for the microphone because I spent a bloody fortune on this microphone. I spent a bloody fortune of my own money on this microphone. But this microphone sounds incredible. Now, none of you are going to care <laughs> because you're not in the broadcast or podcast business, but for the two of you out there who might be broadcasters or podcasters or musical uh, recorder. Now, there may be more of you who do music. Um, whew, wow, I get nothing for this. I've just never, I, 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 I own I own some expensive mics. You know, I've got like this one here. This is a, a Neumann U87, which was my favorite mic before. Um, I have a, uh, a Sennheiser um mkh416 which is the it's known as the 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 uh the movie trailer mic because it's the it's the mic that don de la fontaine would use for you know in a world um because i have one of those Uh, i have some other ones i have a mic called a saturn which is kind of cool i have a lot of mics because i do radio and podcasts and voice work and oh i guess i just like mics but holy cow this mic is a, uh, it's made by a company called Townsend. Not a very big mi- company. They were just bought by Universal Audio. So now they're part of Universal Audio. And if you have the right equipment, actually it works in almost any recording environment, but with Un- Universal Audio's uh, interfaces, and, and this is only for those of you who care about sound, this thing can emulate $10,000 microphones. And I know you're going, let's well, see, this is money. $10,000 microphones? Yeah, there are $10,000 microphones. And they have spent a fortune emulating them. Right now, I'm on a combination of a U87 and a Sennheiser 416. Combined! It's amazing. I'm having so much fun with this. So anyway, you're listening to me on the brand new microphone. And uh, I think pretty sure this is the first podcast I've done directly into my DAW using this mic. So I'm just really excited and I wanted to share it with you. It's an, it's a nice mic. I'm excited. It's going to improve my voice work and my short stories and such. Oh, I did use it for one of my short stories at Lit Reading. If you haven't listened, try out my short story podcast. It's called Lit Reading. I also have one with a few stories for kids called Read a Storis, as in read a story to us. 
read a story, but he's a dinosaur. Uh, Lit Reading is on all the major podcast services, and I just did a uh, uh, new O. Henry story called The Furnished Room, and I did it on this microphone, and it came out just wonderful, full and rich. It sounds so good. So, hey, welcome to Talking Real Money. Now we're going to get to the money part. And because this is Friday, Friday is the day that we try to get through a lot of your questions. And they're coming in at a pace slightly ahead of uh, how we can answer them. But we're, we're getting really close to caught up. We're only a few. After today, we're only going to be a couple behind. So I'm not going to go for any world record today. We're just going to take four questions and all of these were sent in. This is really interesting. We're seeing a technology change. Instead of calling in your questions to 855-935-TALK, many of you now are going to TalkingRealMoney.com and clicking on the contact form and then recording them using your computer mic, which is probably not as good as this one, but I'm not even going to tell you what this one cost. <laughs> it wasn't in the five figures. It was in the low four figures. Uh, but it really sounds a lot better when you record it through TalkingRealMoney.com. So uh, call your questions in at 855-935-TALK, type them in at TalkingRealMoney.com, or record them at TalkingRealMoney.com, and we will try to answer them on future podcasts. In fact, we will eventually answer them on future podcasts uh, or the radio show that airs on Saturdays, Saturday afternoons from 3 to 5 Eastern time, which is the time zone I'm in, or noon to 2 Pacific time, which is the time zone Tom is in. So uh, I'm Don McDonald. Welcome to the podcast. Let's get to some questions. Here's our first one. Hi, I'm 61 years old and divorced. I'll be getting a monthly distribution of $1,200 from my ex's pension fund. I don't know where I should put the money. Shall I put it into my current 401k or shall I start a Roth account? I'm not too sure. I need advice. Thanks very much. You said it was a pension, so I'm going to assume it's a it's a, uh, a cash out of a pension, a cash buyout of a pension, which should still be qualified money. So what you should do, at least initially is set this money up to be directly transferred into a traditional IRA account to protect it from taxes. Or you could put it in your 401k. It depends on how good the investment opportunities are in the 401, but um, I would be tempted to go toward the IRA just to give you more investment options. Just set up your own IRA and use no-load ETFs or mutual funds, very diversified. If at some point you want to create a Roth IRA and move some of these funds into a Roth IRA to avoid taxation when you take withdrawals in the future, you can certainly do that. But remember, you're going to pay taxes on any withdrawals or, or in any, on any recharacterization of an IRA to a Roth IRA. So, um, But I, I would have it set up to directly transfer these funds to your IRA account, set up an IRA account, or to your 401k, probably an IRA. Thanks so much for the call. 855-935-TALK is the number. Actually, that wasn't a call. That was somebody who went to TalkingRealMoney.com and recorded it with a mic. Uh, and let's do the next one, done that way. Hey, guys. Just uh, started watching your show, and uh, I heard your uh, esoteric comments about Bitcoin 
I don't see it as an investment. I see it as a future protocol with the technology behind it being a possibility of uh, making uh, transfers easier and also helping the unbanked. I only put play money in this uh, in this venture. I don't put anything major in it. Um, I, I actually had Dogecoin when it was like a couple zeros from uh, one cent just for the lulls. And even though I got a big return on that, I plan on just ha- holding that just for the lulls. Um, uh, and uh, I hope uh, you can expand on your uh, opinion of, of uh, cryptocurrency. If you can provide me with a few episodes, I'd, uh, I'd be glad to listen. Thanks for the call. Um, I, too, believe in the potential utility of blockchain, but that's so different than Bitcoin or the other 2,500 cryptocurrencies out there, which, when you think about it, that alone tells you this is insane. That alone should be enough to tell you this is not a sustainable model. Something bad is going to happen. I can almost guarantee something bad is going to happen. Um, so I'm not a I'm not a I'm not an opponent of blockchain. I'm an opponent of cryptocurrencies because you, you mentioned some things. They really are a solution in search of a problem. Let's use the unbanked as you mentioned. For example, you are unbanked. So you want to transact business in cryptocurrencies on your computer. I don't know how you have a computer if you're unbanked, but okay, let's just go with that or on your iPhone or whatever it is. But now you go to the grocery store or the drug store or someplace, or you want to go to the, the nearest McDonald's or something and get a meal. Now they don't take block. They don't take cryptos. They don't take block, uh, uh, Bitcoin. I'm sorry. Almost called it blockchain. What do you have to do? You want to buy something? You're unbanked. Well, you go to, what do you do? You go to a, uh, Bitcoin ATM and you lose 11% of your Bitcoin to get $20 for lunch. This is not, an economically sensible model. It doesn't make sense. The only thing you can use crypto for right now in any sizable sense is illegal. <laughs> it's illegal activities. It's 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 human trafficking, prostitution, drugs, gun running. Fraud, cyber uh, hacking. Plus, I, I could just go into all the reasons why it doesn't make sense. I mean, it's just so many. There's a litany. Oh, let's talk about the currency. How useful is it as a currency? As we mentioned, you can't spend it anywhere. Tell me a place that you go to on a weekly basis, regular place you spend money, where you can use Bitcoin. I can't think of a single one. Let's assume for a moment that everybody accepted Bitcoin. Okay, let's just play with that little fantasy. Everybody takes Bitcoin. Everybody takes all of these uh, cryptos. Today, I can buy a $10 item with my crypto, but then tomorrow it goes down 
and I can only buy $5 worth of that item. Then it goes way up, and I can buy $15 worth of that item. Do you really think that merchants are going to want to deal with a currency that they don't know its value from one day to the next? Not even one day. One second to the next? I am going to take a currency, and I'm going to give you $10 worth of merchandise for it, not knowing whether or not by the time I deposit that into my bank account to pay my vendors, it may be worth $8. There's just so many problems. And if you want to listen to, I hope you listen to our podcast. You did mention you watch this, so I hope you also listen to the podcast. There are a ton of them. We probably have at least a dozen podcasts on cryptocurrencies. So you just type in crypto, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, whatever it might be, and you'll find them at TalkingRealMoney.com. And thanks so much for listening and calling. But Oh, and by the way, um, good gamblers know when to fold them, too. You've been gambling, truly gambling, and you know you're gambling on Dogecoin because Dogecoin is the silliest of them all. And you've made money, which means you got, let's see, were you smart or lucky? Eh, probably lucky. When you win money in Vegas... If you let it ride, what eventually happens? Yeah, you lose it all. Smart gamblers take some of their winnings off the table. Take some off the table. All right, now we're done. Thanks for the call. Let's do the next one. Hi, Tom and Don. This is Brian calling from North Carolina. I absolutely love what you guys do. Thank you very much. My niece from California will be visiting me next month. She has several small IRAs and an old 401k she would like to combine into one IRA or Roth account. I think we'll look at her tax situation when she gets here. Of course, the two and three fund selections with Vanguard, Fidelity, or Schwab came to mind, but I was wondering about the new dimensional fund ETS and if they might allow her to get a diversified portfolio. She's in her early 30s, has little debt, and she has about $60,000 to invest in this Roth or IRA. Uh, she just finished nursing school and has gotten a good job. However, they don't match much in the 403B they offer, so she wants to contribute 6000 annually to a Roth. Looking at the dimensional ETFs, I think she could get fairly diversified with seven of them. I'm thinking about the following and would love to hear if I'm totally off base or not. We would have her put 10% in the dimensional U.S. core equity market ETF, 10% in the U.S. equity ETF, 20% in the U.S. small cap ETF, 20% in the U.S. targeted value ETF, 10% in the international core equity market ETF, 20% in the international value ETF, and 10% in the emerging core equity market ETF. Again, I'm not sure how diversified that all is, but uh, would love to hear your thoughts. I'm not stuck on the dimensional ETFs, but I have enjoyed the funds in my own portfolio for several years. Uh, my niece is really interested in learning about finance and keeping up with the balancing of her portfolio an annually. She also wants to get more knowledgeable about her money. So I've already told her about your show, and I think she started listening. Does it make 
more sense just to go with the Vanguard or Fidelity mixes you made available on your website, or should we consider the, the dimensional? Again, thanks for all the great advice over the years and the witty banter. That's the best part. I hope you'll keep doing this for many years to come, and I'll listen for as long as you do. Thank you. Brian, thanks for the nice comments. We really appreciate you, too. Thank you so much. And, you know, thanks for helping other people out. It's really great. Now, a couple of things. Uh, one, I think she's on the right track. If she's not getting matched in her 401, just fund the IRA, fund the Roth, uh, max that out at the, at the six, and then fund the 401 if she can afford over and above that. I think, though, that you may be going a little far into the weeds for now with her. Because the one thing you don't want to do is make it so complicated initially that she gets discouraged. And she's got a lot of things to watch and to rebalance over time. And it still is critical that if you have seven funds, you rebalance. Now, what you've laid out from the from DFA is a very well-diversified portfolio. I would probably... Um, probably bring the international core up to 15%, maybe. I might bring the U.S. core up to 15% to, and go, take it to a 55-45 split U.S. international if you're going to do that. But I think at this juncture, the, the benefit to her is going to be, the, there will be a little bit of a benefit, but it's so small right now as to make that additional confusion possibly counterproductive. I think you'd be better off to start her off with two funds, about 80% in VT and about 20% in VBR, which is the Vanguard Small Cap Value Index. You might want to go with something like VEE, which is emerging markets for a little bit too, maybe a little bit, 10 or so. Um, but again, I don't want to make it too confusing for her. There's a reason why we tell people to keep it simple, stupid. I mean, there is really a lot to be said for the KISS strategy. You, If it's too complicated, it causes people to shut down and not do the things they need to do, which is one of the reasons why we don't sit around and recommend a, a complex multi-fund portfolio to most people unless they have someone actually professionally advising it. But you could go either way. And I think what you're doing is awesome. Thanks for the call, Brian. We really appreciate it. Let's sneak in one more before we go away. Hi, Tom and Don. I know your views on gimmick funds, but what is your opinion of a preferred stock ETF? For example, P as in Paul, F as in Frank, F as in Frank, D, PFFD. It pays a good dividend and owns mostly utility company stocks. We don't believe that investors should go out of their way to search for dividends. We think seeking dividends is a huge mistake that's going to come back to bite a lot of people in the future. Because if the dividend is high, there is risk. And I know you're thinking there's not much risk because these are utilities. Well, actually, the, the PFFD is utilities and a lot of financials. And they do well <laughs> when they do well. But we've had dozens and dozens of instances where 
Utilities have gone bankrupt and stopped paying a dividend. Big utilities, gigantic utilities. And you're not going to know in advance that this is going to happen. We've had instances where banks have gone bankrupt and have stopped paying their dividends. Because remember, if you are a corporation and you get into financial trouble, you have to pay your bondholders first, your shareholders second. Now, preferred takes precedence. It's preferred over common stock. And that's what the preferred moniker means. It's preferred stock. It has preferential dividend treatment, but not over bonds and not over secured creditors. So you're way down the list. And if a company's in big trouble, preferred shareholders miss out too. And that really great dividend could begin to fall in bad economic times. This is not, they're not that safe. See, we're, we're, we're stretching for yields, and it's a huge mistake, I believe. It's a huge, huge, huge mistake. And you're, you're missing a lot of risks. There is, in a preferred fund, a lot more interest rate risk. You still have market risk, even though you have very little in the way of capital gains potential, unless it's through interest rate fluctuations, because you still have that company risk. And the other thing you need to consider is when you've got a fund that is paying out a dividend close to 5%, which this one is, 4.8, I think, the last I looked, there's got to be a reason why the dividend is that high. In an environment when 10-year treasuries yield 1.6 or 7, 4.8 is an aberration that can only be explained one way. And when you dig deep into this fund, you see exactly what that way is. The majority of PFFD is incredibly low-quality debt. Not good stuff at all. And by the way, the fund is called the Global X U.S. Preferred ETF, just for those of you who don't want to deal with a symbol. I don't blame you. I like the names. Get this. 95% of the portfolio, 95% is triple B or lower. Triple B is the bottom of investment grade. It is just barely of a high enough quality to maintain an investment grade rating, but but it still means they have to pay a higher dividend to get buyers. Than a, than a A or a double A or a triple A rated. Only one third of 1% of this portfolio is triple A rated preferred stock. That is a red flag. This is, it's just, the risks are out of sight. They really are, but it's hard to see them when you're seeing that nice big dividend. But the day can and very likely at some point will come where this thing will take up a, a beating like a stock fund. And I'd rather own stock funds because historically common stock funds, growth oriented funds with a little bit of dividend have historically in the past done better, made more money than preferred funds. And if the risks are similar, why not go for the potentially higher yield? And then if you're looking for income, use a total portfolio strategy. You derive income from both income, the, the, the dividends and interest payments, and the capital gains. You use a, 
in good markets, you use some of those capital gains to create some income for you. So anyway, I wouldn't do it. And I don't think Tom would recommend you do it either. I think we're both pretty much opposed. And this is, once again, kind of a gimmicky product that is being sold to people right now as a high dividend play. And that's because we are desperate for yield. We're desperate to find yield. And we forget about the important issue of safety. If you have a question, we'd love to talk with you at 855-935-TALK. You can call it in for the show or the podcast. If you call for the show live, that's Saturdays, 3 to 5 Eastern. You can also go to TalkingRealMoney.com and send in your questions or speak your questions. And if you're somebody who says, I just need someone to look at my stupid portfolio and tell me what I'm doing because I don't understand it. And by the way, if you don't understand it, you're in the majority. Most people do not fully understand their investment portfolio. In fact, I can't even I can't even count the number of people we've talked with who have come into us saying, oh, I don't pay anything in commissions. Well, I don't have any fees. And then they're shocked to find out how much they actually paid in commissions and fees. We'll tell you that. We'll tell you what you have. We'll tell you what's wrong with it and how you might make it right. And we will not try to sell you a darn thing. I guarantee it. Call me and chew me out if we ever do. No one ever has. You can call live. We, we can't stop you. But no one ever has because we're not lying. So you can get the help you need absolutely free with a real live fiduciary advisor. They know this is part of their job. They accept that. <laughs> they got to do some free stuff. Uh, and, and some people become clients of their own volition, and that's great. But just go to vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. That's our uh, our company, which is now uh, part of Appella Capital. It's Vestory by Appella. But it's at vestory.com. And just set up an appointment with one, our, with one of our advisors. It's just literally that easy. Go try it. All right? Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Spread the word. Leave a review at Apple Podcasts if you like us. And uh, keep, keep, keep listening because we're going to share stuff with you every day. And Tom and I just never, ever stop sitting around and researching and talking real money. Talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future. So, past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. That should keep the lawyers happy.